I'm a little bit of a child of the revolution and I know what it's like to not have freedoms of mm -hmm. expression, travel, all of that. And I think it's very, very important and very ingrained clearly in me to be able to enable that for other people. Welcome to Layer Zero. Layer Zero is a podcast of unscripted conversations with the people that make up the Ethereum community. Crypto is built by code, but is composed by people, and each individual member of the crypto community has their own story to tell. Cypherpunks understood that the code they write impacts the people that use it, and Layer Zero focuses on the people behind the code, because Ethereum is people all the way down, and always has been. Today on Layer Zero, I'm speaking with Simona Pop, and we recorded this episode in the middle of DevConnect. Uh, and so there is a big conference room, a co-working space, where a lot of people are heads down, building whatever it is that they're building. So there's a little bit of background chatter, uh, but hopefully that adds to the vibe rather than detract from it. We talk a lot about governance, and Simona is a child of the uh, Romanian freedom revolution from the, the Eastern Bloc, from, from uh, Russia's uh, dominance with, with communism. And so she was very, very young when uh, the re revolution in Romania happened and broke and broke Romania free from communism. And we use this as a metaphor to discuss Tao governance of all things. Uh, she talks about how, yes, you can cut off the head of top-down totalitarian communism, but you have to also replace that with something else or else the same sort of structure just grows back in its place. And so we, we take this idea of if we are going to kill something, we need to replace it with something new, otherwise the same patterns will, will unfold once again, uh, which is what happened in Romania post-communist uh, post Russia. And so we talk about uh, the different structures of Tao governance. We use this metaphor for a flowing river of liquid governance, of liquid representation, and allowing this river to adapt as rivers do to its surrounding environment. And if Tao governance needs to change and adapt over time, it also needs to act like a flowing river. Uh, and so there's plenty of metaphors with, with rivers and adaption in there. Uh, and overall, Simona is just a, a beloved part of the Ethereum community. She's working extremely hard figuring out DAO governance, which is the problem of problems in this space right now. So let's go ahead and get right into this conversation with Simona Pop, right after we talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Hey, Simona, what's up? Everything's damn fine. What, why is it damn fine? Because we're in Amsterdam. And we are in Amsterdam. For DevConnect. Yeah, have you been yeah. to Amsterdam before? I have, and it was raining, mm. and it was the mm -hmm. city was beautiful, but in the sunshine, it's a totally different experience. The consensus that I've gotten about youth, uh, Amsterdam is that everyone loves it. Yes. Everyone just has the, the best words to describe Amsterdam. It's mm -hmm. beautiful. It's all the flowers are in bloom. Mm -hmm. The tu It's tulip season. Right. Yeah. And we are here. Mm -hmm. As a, a connoisseur of plants, I will have to say the plants of Amsterdam are uh, top notch. Top right. Notch. On point. Yes. And the street flowers. Mm -hmm. What is the thing? Mm -hmm. That's like a whole different level of street flower. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have walked hours. Yes. And I've only been here for two days. Yep. I don't know when you got here, but I've been only here for two days and I Same. have walked for like four or five hours total. Agreed. Yeah. And it's like, why would you take a means of transport? We mm -hmm. need like canals, right. flowers, right. trees uh -huh. in bloom. Yeah. Uh -huh. Do you know how Amsterdam was chosen at DevConnect? Do you know who, who made no, that choice? No, I don't actually. Hmm. Well, they made a good choice. They absolutely yeah. did. And mm -hmm. the weather, mm -hmm. they like arranged that mm -hmm. to a T. So pleased. I've asked you this question before, <laughs> but not in a long-form podcast capacity, okay. so we're going to go into this a little bit more, but why real life? Why is real life important? We, this industry is on the internet. 
Like, we don't need to meet in real life. Why can't we just go meet on Discord or Zoom? Why can't we meet in the metaverse? Because we're people and energy is important mm -hmm. and being able to spend time with friends. Because at this stage, a lot of us are friends. Let's mm -hmm. face it, we've known each other for what? five years mm -hmm. um it's a long time and it's actually a really really um nice kind of group of friends and if you think about it it's a really really good dynamic that we have together and the new people coming in and the ogs it's just really really important to just catch up now and again mm -hmm. and obviously the hugging now the hugging yes. is back on the menu right. it's like it's great i have been warning people that i am a hugger <laughs> when they come, so, they're, so they're not surprised but it's also like no one is surprised because no. like the last time I've seen most of these people was months ago. Yeah. Uh, and so just the enthusiasm of seeing people here in real life is, is just lovely. Plus, like we get to lock all of the uh, ETH developers in a room and, <laughs> and force them into having a merge date. So that's what's going on right now. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Very true. Um, at an undisclosed location. <laughs> right. Yes, a very secret location <laughs> of only the privileged parties can, can get to. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, look, and again, Everything does happen online and we can obviously reach a lot more people online, but it is important to create all of these little moments that we can touch base, we can interact with each other face to face mm -hmm. and then go back to being online. Right. And I think having those catch up moments is important. Certainly, yeah, the uh, Dev Connect. It's called Dev Connect right. for a reason. Yes. We are here to sync our nodes. Yes. Uh, because even though I think obviously the crypto industry is probably the most adept at working online, like we can get, we can be the most productive versus any other industry online. But it, like still in real life, like there's always these these tailwind benefits of being in real life that of will never course. be replaced. Yeah. And think about the fact that most, I mean, I don't know about you, but a lot, a lot of the relationships that I have and a lot of the friendships and a lot of the collaborations mm -hmm. that I've worked on started at certain events, 2018, 2019 and so on, when we were first kind of doing these things and establishing the schedule of events. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's important. So what uh, class are you a part of? Like, what is your what cycle of, of the crypto industry did you come in? Are you class of 2017, earlier? End of 2017. End of 2017. Okay, same Z's. When I actually started genuinely working on a project, because that's when I met Mark, uh, well, end of 2017, beginning of 2018, and that's where um, I became the co-founder of the Standard Bounties Protocol and mm -hmm. Bounties Network. So. Yes, Bounties Network. Yes. Right. So what what brought you in? Like uh, Bounties Network is very, very uh, Gitcoin ethos aligned, which is kind of where you found yourself right close to Kevin Owaki, very much like uh, finding ways to push development to the, to the margins. Like what about crypto brought you in? So I think for me, it was always this ability to level out the playing field mm -hmm. and allow more people a seat at the table. In mm -hmm. fact, rebuild the table Mm -hmm. with a lot more seats, yeah. right? And that's one of the main things that attracted me to bounties and actually, because Gitcoin was built on top of the standard bounties protocol. And so we were very much value aligned. But in terms of the core interest for me, and that's what continues to be my core interest, is how can we enable access to resource for everybody, mm -hmm. regardless of geography, regardless of social status, regardless of education, mm -hmm. regardless of language, regardless of all of that. Mm -hmm. And everything that I tend to do is to push that mm -hmm. forward and to try to create more pathways in for a lot more people. Mm -hmm. What were you doing before crypto? Did it uh, kind of align with all that stuff or, or what, mean, was, what was your mode of operating before crypto? It was very much in comms and experiential mm -hmm. and always in tech, mm -hmm. but you know, the 
webtoon. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, kind of getting a, trying to get the, the listeners grounded for who Simona Pop is. Mm-hmm. Um, what what did you know before crypto that you brought to crypto? Like, what what information have you blessed the crypto industry with? Um, I think for me, it's it's interesting because being originally from Romania and having mm-hmm. experienced albeit a very small part of, I was very young when the revolution happened Mm -hmm. um, in 89, but you still have that sense of what it is like to live in a country where censorship, complete lack of privacy and restrictions is the norm. Mm -hmm. And so I think I say this sometimes where I'm a little bit of a child of the revolution and Mm -hmm. I know what it's like to not have freedoms of Mm -hmm. expression, travel, all of that. And I think it's very, very important and very ingrained clearly in me Mm -hmm. to be able to enable that for other people. Mm -hmm. And so with that knowledge and also the fact that knowing that, I'm also aware of a lot of, I guess the importance of why balance matters when you are trying to completely redesign the flow of things. Mm. Because you want to make sure that if you're going to redesign it, you're going to not redesign it in the same image as what came before. Learn from what came before, Mm -hmm. but try to redesign it Mm -hmm. in a mindful and balanced way Mm -hmm. so that we don't end up in the same place Mm -hmm. or even a worse place. So this is going to uh, reveal my little knowledge of that era of, of time in, yep. in Eastern Europe, but uh, uh, I, I think this is what we should definitely dive into. Uh, the revolution. Let's go. Let's go into that. You, how old were you when? When six. Six. Okay. So you didn't know much else other no. than that. Like, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, when you're a kid, you kind mm-hmm. of don't really realize right. the magnitude true... of what's no. going on. No. And we're, we're talking about. Uh, is this communism in Russia? Is this relevant here? Yeah. So okay. basically, every. Uh, Give us that's a quick history they, lesson. Yeah. They call it the Eastern Bloc because right. everything that yes. was around Russia and mm-hmm. below was under Russia's influence. Right. right? You had right. the USSR. Mm-hmm at the time so anything Eastern Europe was like communist Mm -hmm. controlled by had the same modus operandi as Mm -hmm. the USSR and the idea was that it would be made in its image and so what you had was the um, Prague Spring Mm -hmm. that kick-started revolutions in all of these countries in the Eastern Bloc and it almost went like a domino effect and so all of them then removed communism from their um, governments Mm -hmm. and went on to hopefully rebuild Mm -hmm. and redesign so that it is, uh, you know, in a democratic way. Now, what that also kind of showed me and made me understand is that sometimes a revolution doesn't really do much. Right. You cut off the head, but the body stays the same. Mm-hmm. So then you just replace the head, but sure. everything else, right. particularly when you're talking about a bureaucracy, right. will just be exactly the right. same. Mm-hmm. Which is why when I talk about crypto, it's it shouldn't be a revolution. It mm-hmm. should be an evolution. Mm-hmm. It takes longer, but it changes the whole organism right. versus just the head. Yes, I, I think there's a very common pattern throughout history is that like revolutions are really good at breaking things, right? But not necessarily putting them back that in a way that answers to the problems of why the revolution decided to happen in the first place, right? Right. right. All, all it does is says, well, this isn't working. Let's end it. 
and kind of fails to follow through. It just creates the vacuum of power. It creates the vacuum of power, and I think also, let's remember that a lot of the revolutions that have happened in the world are really orchestrated by completely right. other interests right. outside mm -hmm. of that country. So right. you also have that. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay, so uh, the revolution started when you were six. So it it was Ish. all of a week. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Is, okay. It went like this. Yeah. Okay. Um, Very fast. Yeah. Okay, so, so it was more the process of recreation that probably, because I don't know when people start remembering their first memories, but about six is about right. Right. So, so that's when it started right. building, let's mm -hmm. say, towards a democracy and again. Right. With, democracy. Right. Right. So your formative years were all about just looking at and being under the paradigm of how are we going to re-architect governance. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how kind. Have, yeah, <laughs> in attempts hindsight. At, in attempts to <laughs> yes. And so, like, uh, again, like history lesson, how would you rate that re-architection if you had to rate it on a scale of one to ten? Minus one. Uh-oh. Why? Oh. What, what, what should we learn from this? <laughs> Again, it's it's very, very important to um, understand that things that have been almost cemented in a certain way mm -hmm. take a lot longer to mm -hmm. break through. Like if you right. think of plants uh, growing yeah. through the pavement, mm -hmm. right, that's going to have to right. push and mm -hmm. like really work to get through it when it's so solid. Right. And because like I mentioned earlier, usually the body of the beast right. remains the same. Mm -hmm. And so you have to work with a lot of things that were already in place mm -hmm. and then try to slowly remove those and replace right. them with better, with better, with better. And right. so what you get a lot is, and I think that's still valid for the whole of the former Eastern Bloc, you have a lot of corruption, you have a lot of people who are in power who then, you know, decided that they could maintain power, but this time it would be financial. Sure. And so you have that switch. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, using the plant metaphor, mm. if you have a, like a, a tree, for example, like a, in the middle of a storm, it blows over, but it doesn't die. And then right. it'll start to regrow in a different direction, but it'll always be scarred by the storm. Mm -hmm. It'll never be the perfect, emblematic, vertical, beautiful tree. It will be the kinked tree, and it will never get away. It'll never get away from that kink, right? Like it'll always have this in its base, like DNA, right? Not the DNA, yes. the epigenetics, right? Yeah, yeah. How the DNA is expressed. And so, if you're telling me that, like, the Romanian government did a, or the Romania did a good job of taking the head off, but forgot to like replace the culture. Right, the culture was the same, yes. which is why the layer zero is always so important. Indeed it is. And also taking again from that tree metaphor of breaking, mm -hmm. I think what looking at Web3 and what we're doing now with governance, we need to look more at a willow mm. model mm. where what it bends mean? and mm. it like it's a lot more flexible mm -hmm. versus again just um, very rigid. Right. Right? Because as soon as you start potentially being very rigid about things, mm -hmm. you could miss or could be, um, let's say, a little bit more fragile when something right. happens and you can't adapt. Yeah, that rigidity aspect is really, really important. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, we'll go down to that in a, in a second. One, one thing I learned while uh, kind of going down the Ukraine versus Russia rabbit hole yeah. is that this same thing has ha already happened. This happened in the 1800s, yeah. it happened in the 1900s, and now it's happening again. And like the, what my takeaway from that was that there's this like Russian, like Putin is very uh, like focused on like this like 
kind of this manifest destiny of Russia, mm -hmm. right? Like this mm -hmm. Russian sort of just like ethnic imperialism or something like R Putin is like this embodiment of this weird like Russian energy that wants to like dominate <laughs> Eastern <laughs> Europe, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, and and this the the story of the Russian Empire in the 1800s, whatever it was called back then, coming in to dominate Ukraine and then Ukraine did like um, just not wanting that and revolting against that, that, this story has already played out once before. And so that you, when you know that that was like three generations ago, there's something in the DNA of Eastern Europe that like makes this story happen again and again and again. And, and how do but how do we get people to be aware of these things? Because it's isn't it education that is how we get through this? It is education, mm -hmm. and it's also a you know a, a level of respect for what has come before. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily in a must be revered, must right. be uh, you know um, glorified in any way, mm -hmm. but it must be understood. Sure. Because if you like you were saying, you notice patterns. Mm -hmm. And what that enables you to do is when you notice those same patterns repeating right. again, you can bend, adjust, right. flex away right. from it. You don't end the pattern, you redirect the pattern. Right. Or you work with it and you kind of go, okay, what is what is it that we could do mm -hmm. to essentially go on a different path versus just repeating this one. Right. And that's a big thing that I think sometimes in Web3 we kind of go, yeah, everything's trash, let's right. just rebuild everything. Everything's new again, new paradigm. Right. New paradigm. Which is great because mm -hmm. that's, you know, we're enthusiastic and we want to do these things and it's wonderful, but are there lessons for us to learn mm -hmm. In that process, so that we don't just again follow that same right. pattern, go down the same stuff, and then at the end of it, go shit, mm -hmm. did it again. Right. There's right. the uh, the wheel is something that I think uh, Chris Berniski <laughs> talked about, where like you know, in the future we're going to be the boomers, and like our yeah. kids are going to be like you know, you guys got to you know, <laughs> you guys bought Bitcoin before it had a market price. Right. Right. You guys got Ether at the ICO. What price. did you do? Right. You got Ether before. There. You remember when you got into Ethereum before it was proof of stake? Like. You boomer parents, like work is hard now. Like things, things are now, are now like saturated and difficult, yep. and just like the same complaints that millennials are having about the current institution. So um, when you see these governance structures, because governance is all of the rage in Web three these it days. Is. Governance, it is. Governance, governance, governance. When, when airdrop, when token, when governance right. token. How, how do you see us falling into the same traps if we, if you do see us doing that? I think. One of the main things, and certainly this is very much something that I'm interested in mm -hmm. from kind of a, a multitude of different perspectives. I'm obviously um, uh, one of the top delegates mm -hmm. in Gitcoin, in ENS, and I also um, work together with Gitcoin on what I like to call governance engagement, mm -hmm. because right now governance and engagement are like this. Mm. There is a lot of rubber stamping. There is a lot of, uh, there's high, high lack of context mm -hmm. for different conversations happening uh. and decisions being made. Uh. That is because things are not transparent. Things aren't necessarily easy to grasp context mm -hmm. for. And also, most people are so insanely busy right. that to dig through notions, discords, right. and all of this to gain context, to inform a vote right. that may actually influence quite a few things, 
is quite taxing. Right. So like uh, a snapshot vote comes into existence and like the many, many voters of this snapshot vote are like, all right, like yes or no. Right. And there's like, there is perhaps hours and hours of like debate and deliberation and arguments as to even what are the parameters of this vote to begin with. Or and then there these, should be. Or there should be. Or, or at least with the people that put this thing to a vote, right? Yes, They're right. Like, okay, the, these four people are talking about this governance decision. Yeah. And they are the experts in like the yes and the no cases, but they need to give it to the community because that's what decentralized governance is. But then the community is like, they spent 30 seconds reading the snapshot vote exactly. and they don't know the extent of the details and they don't know the impact. And that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Because if I want to have context to be able to make an informed decision, mm -hmm. that's incredibly important and you would do that in you know, in any other area of your life, you would want to know what you are making a decision about. Okay. And so with regards to, and coming back to your original question, how could we perhaps make those same mistakes is that again, we go in this direction where voting remains binary. There is no respect for nuance. Mm -hmm. There is no respect for let's say the in-between, the maybe, the ambiguity, because right. a lot of things that we're dealing with right now, it's okay for them to be ambiguous for mm -hmm. a while until mm -hmm. we figure out how they can be clearer and simpler and easier to make a yes-no decision mm -hmm. on. And so with that in mind, I think being comfortable with ambiguity and being comfortable with nuance and a spectrum of decision-making and a spectrum of uh, discussion versus just, no, it has to be this or the other, mm -hmm. is important to not only think about, but also weave into the processes that we're putting in place. Mm -hmm. Like, I love a standard, obviously. Um, but I think that's important, especially when you navigate various different DAOs. Like, for me, even in these major two that I am one of the main delegate in, it's hard because they're structured differently right. and they have a different flow for the right. governance. Right. Not the majorly different, different right. mm -hmm. but different Importantly still. Different. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think for, for us to be able to really have the context and be able to make the right decisions, mm -hmm. it's important to have a flow that is... Uniform is not the right word. Mm -hmm. Something that enables that access again in a very right, yeah. mm -hmm. right. Um, so there's the, there's one t way to tackle this problem, which is like just making governance easier. Yes. Like being able to make the nuance more digestible, the debate more yep. digestible. But the other solution is just like let's just centralize it. Let's just say like centralize the governance. Yeah, but like we don't it, want that. But but why is that bad? Because like yeah, we work, we call these things DAOs, but they're like most of them they're not autonomous. They're definitely not autonomous. No. Uh, and they're definitely not decentralized. I really call them digital organizations. Now, the cool unlock is the actual decentralized part yes. of Yes. But we don't have that yet. So, like, why, uh, why can't we just, like, have the centralized governance while we figure this out? Because I think you want to... And, uh, look, we are in a very difficult situation right now, just as an ecosystem because we're so embedded in the current world whilst mm -hmm. trying to build a new one. Mm -hmm. And so you're almost constantly enmeshed in the current way of doing things whilst trying to envisage what the sure. new stuff will be. So it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's a continuous exercise and you almost have to do that daily practice, that daily exercise to maintain 
whatever it is that you want to build, right? That muscle mass, sure. maybe, sure, sure, or sure. those habits to right. build those new pathways and those new habits. I think the important piece is to have the right either groups or structures dealing with different stages mm. of the flow. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that can unlock that decentralization ah. where you put things, you know, imagine a river, right? Because mm-hmm. we're in Amsterdam, imagine all right. of these bridges and all of those boats. Yep. At each one, you have a different checkpoint okay. almost. Okay. And then the whole thing becomes clearer and right. it evolves and it involves conversations. It involves dialogue. It involves certain amounts of decisions, but not a yes, no. Sure. Right. And you evolve it that way. But to create that flow, you right. have to look at, okay, who's going to be involved? What is the end goal? How long can this take? What is the process? Will it be different for certain types of proposals? And will it be different for others? When you have something to do with a budget, with a treasury, does that go on a different path versus one that has to do with, I don't know, removal of stewards, from okay. right? And you have to map all of that out. And I always, always use this analogy because I think it's so important. When you go to an amusement park, you see the map of everything uh, that is yes. there. Okay. And you know where you're going and you know how to get there and you know if that is where you want to get to or you want to go here in fact or there or stop halfway through there and we don't really have that right Uh now and that should be something that is almost because we talk about doubt tooling oh my god doubt tooling doubt tooling doubt tooling tooling. it's raining doubt tools but I think it's important again to look at those and create those mindfully and from a place of experience Mm -hmm. like for me I see the pain on both sides I'm working on governance engagement but I'm also a steward and I know that for instance the other week like two weeks ago I was focusing so much on that and curating shelling point that I dropped the ball in my ENS duties Mm -hmm. for a week Mm -hmm. right right because that's what happened right yeah duty which is fine right in in a decentralized world nodes are going to drop right Uh right right and so figuring out how to make sure that that isn't a tragedy or that isn't something that breaks something is right is something that we need to bake into the whole flow because Mm -hmm. we are humans Mm -hmm. the whole DAO governance thing should be fluid because again using the river and the flow and all of that it has to be fluid it has to flow Uh it has to enable people to kind of go oh okay I can't do this at the moment but I'm okay to come back in when I have more focus when I can dedicate more time Okay, mm. uh, so just to, uh, I want to recap all of that. I think both for the listeners and also for my own benefit, the answer to like why not cent- centralize is because of obvious reasons, and the alternative is micro centralization in pockets, which I think are like committees, where like you, you talked about these certain proposals, such as if we're talking about a treasury, like a treasury proposal, as in we are going to do this with the treasury, uh, and. Perhaps like we can have two different versions. It's like if this uh, proposal is above ten thousand dollars or below ten thousand right. dollars, it can go. The river will split. Right. Right. And it'll go to this committee first, and then this committee will right. tinker with this per- part of the proposal. Maybe this is the clarity and definitions committee, and sure. then the clarity and definitions committee do their work. One of there maybe there's four nodes, four council members of that particular cabinet of sorts, and then once they're done, they pass it off to another node, which does the 
uh, I don't know, the, the allocation of funds committee or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. right? And it, it goes, it follows, flows down this river. And you always ensure that those little pockets uh-huh. have the right representation in them. Yes, right. Okay, so like micro-centralization as in like, all right, four people have the role and responsibility. Four people have the block. I wouldn't even call it centralization. I would call it... Delegation? <sighs> Specialized delegation. Specialized delegation. I think we mean the same thing. I think that I think that's a semantics difference. But it sounds better. But it definitely sounds better. <laughs> definitely sounds better. Uh, and so, okay, so we have like this like mesh network of like a right. river. Yes. And the concept of a river is that it always flows downstream, right? Like water will always go where it's easiest for it to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like right now, when when I said like DAOs aren't autonomous, mm-hmm. rivers are autonomous, mm-hmm. right? Like they just go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, one of my bull cases for DAOs, not DAOs as a concept, but the, the DAOs that are the most bullish yep. are the ones that lower the threshold for participation yes. down to the bare minimum, mm-hmm. right? Like how can you make a verifiable contribution yep. in the easiest possible way? Yep. Uh, and so if we're going to ex- extend this to governance, is like how can we make sure that the governance proposals always go downhill, whether or not they're accepted? Like maybe downhill means it's rejected, but like a rejection is a choice either way. Mm-hmm. Like successful governance can reject a choice. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right? So how do we make like a governance proposal hit all these subcommittees to refine and digest and uh, do all these things with these governance and make sure the thing always flows downhill so that it comes to a conclusion? Because I think so many of DAO governance right now is like, we forget to come to a conclusion on a lot of things. Like it, get lo- it gets lost in the river. Or we rush to a conclusion, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's not necessarily a good conclusion or it's not necessarily thought of mm-hmm. as much. But keeping it, as you say, on that path, I think that's where potentially those standards that you put in place come in. Mm-hmm. Because then it's almost like the banks of a river. Sure. Right. right, and you create that versus just like letting it spell all over the place. In which case, again with the river, you lose control and right. it damages things. Right. Yeah, yeah, it turns and, into flood. Right, right. Yeah. and so what you want is to have that. And because you were saying with the flow of water, obviously you have like the whole Bruce Lee thing, be right. water, my yes. friends, like yes. all of that, right? Uh-huh. And you take that shape and, and you enable those, the banks of the river to be mm-hmm. that tooling that right. you put in place. But you have to understand what the substance is, right? right? Because you could make the, you know, the um, banks of the river out of material that sure. is not conducive right. to the flow right right it could be too porous it right. could be like breakable it right. could and then the river always automatically corrects for that because the river will erode of course the broken banks voila right lovely right. lovely and quite this quick, is beautiful this is so i, I mean i'm great. i'm impressed with us this right now also just quick side <laughs> quest Rivers are inherently decentralized, right? And so, like, top-down government could become come like, I want to stop this river and build a dam. But all dams break over time. Like, we can just route around the river, right? There's that meme of just, like, governments banning Bitcoin, and it's, yes. like, the fence that has no edges, and right. people just, like, walk around the right. fence. Same right. thing with the river. Like, you can you can dam up a river, but, like, over the long time frames, the river always breaks. Exactly. Or the dam always breaks. Exactly. Um, Let's take this back to Romania and governance. Okay. Uh, where we cut off the head, but then the same similar shape reappears. Yes. How does this model fix that? I think, and again, another analogy that I, I particularly like is this um, idea of the puzzle. If you lose, you know, you're making jigsaw puzzles and you lose mm-hmm. one piece, you have to replace it mm-hmm. with a piece that is exactly the same shape, mm-hmm. exactly the same pattern, uh-huh. exactly the same. Sure. 
So what we are doing is we're scrapping that puzzle, mm-hmm. or at least the image that's in that puzzle, and mm-hmm. starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. Because if you just remove the piece, one piece, the head, mm-hmm. the rest keeps right. it. Right. It's so you still, have to put... The, the void still has the same shape. Same shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so my hope is that what we're all doing here is actually redesigning and replanning a whole mm-hmm. new puzzle. Mm-hmm. Learning from how puzzles work, mm. learning from how long it potentially takes what type of thing you need in there, what type of material, what type of whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's a different image. It's maybe a different structure. Maybe it's 3D one. Hopefully it's a 3D one. Right. That's a lot more fun. Right? So you're kind of evolving right. it. And again, that evolution from your very basic one to something that can really, really uh, capture the richness and the not richness in the cash bags right the uh, <laughs> uh aspect of it the, but what's the other word for this yeah <laughs> vibrancy vibrancy sure. yeah. uh-huh. um of what we can all do to ensure human thriving to mm-hmm. ensure that we are in a much better place mm-hmm. that everybody is in a much better place the many not the few mm-hmm This is actually accidentally turning into a very (laughs) logical progression from a couple of other layers of yours I've done. Yeah. Starting with uh, Tervum and then also most recently Tracheopteryx. Yes. We were talking about like, okay, cool, DAO governance. Eventually we're going to get this thing perfected and refined. Right. And the engine's really going to start to turn. Right. And all of them are like, well, eventually this will start to eat at the role of nation states, right? Like eventually... United States governance, the original DAO, by the way, uh, will start to start to incorporate some of the models and the efficiencies that we yes. innovated and developed with DAO governance, yes. right? Uh, Tarun gave the example of how he thinks that it's really going to be the finance sector that comes first, mm-hmm. where like a lot of uh, financial contracts use price uh, prices of a certain thing at a certain time uh, to be embedded into the contract, right? And this is like we just yep. we'll just agree that the price of this thing is at this time at this date by this by this oracle, which mm-hmm. is like the Nasdaq. Mm-hmm. But they could start to instead of using the Nasdaq, which is a centralized company with with that kind of a gameable system. Yep. Instead, you could use the Oracle of Uniswap. Yep. And you, what we're doing is we're taking out the Nasdaq puzzle piece and we're re-put implanting the Uniswap puzzle piece in its place. Mm-hmm. And it's and his theory is that over time we're going to find more and more ways to swap out old puzzle pieces yep. with new puzzle pieces until you create a new puzzle. Until you create a new puzzle, right? From from the inside out. Do you have any any thoughts on that? So. Again, I think it's it's really, really interesting um, thinking about, because you mentioned the financial system and because we chat about money, it's really interesting to, to remember mm-hmm. that we came up with that whole thing mm. and we just perpetuated in the normal system now in the world. It was decided at some point, but we can always change our minds mm-hmm. and decide something else. Mm-hmm. And this is something that for a lot of people, I guess even sometimes when they come into our space or into the Web3 space, it's very difficult to really get comfortable with the fact that that is just a decision some people made at this one time. Right. It's not canon. It's not canon. You're not contractually bound to do anything. Uh People just agreed right. that the U.S. dollar was going to have some value. Mm-hmm. People just agreed that this other thing was going to have value. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Mm-hmm. It's an agreement. Mm-hmm. And we are making new agreements. And we can make new agreements. And we should make new agreements if the ones that have been in place are no longer serving us. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's what you would do. Mm-hmm. If a car, if you had a car 
that broke down as much as the current financial system? Yeah. <laughs> Are you joking? Right. They would remove it from the market. Mm-hmm. It would be a death trap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've had more systemic crises in the financial system right. since I don't know when they started measuring it. Right. But it's 50, 60 across mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. And again, think about the analogy of a car. It broke mm-hmm. down that much. You'd be like, I right. don't, I'm not getting into that death trap. Right. I need to buy a new one. Mm-hmm. How do you think about um, the rate of change, right? Because the younger generations, the millennials especially, Zoomers seem to be in their own world, but they're gonna get the brunt of this eventually, uh, probably once they graduate from college. But like the rate of change of the world seems to be not, not be satisfactory for a lot of the younger folk. Yeah. Mean, and so like they're just asking for change now, 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 now. Meanwhile, the other half of the, of the world, like the, the older folk, the boomers, are like, this is pretty Gucci. We kind of like, <laughs> like where things are right now. So how, how we're, at, th- we're at the speed limit. This yeah, is nice. Right. This Let's is not cruising. Go, no, no, cha- no faster change. <laughs> like, no more change. Like, I haven't even figured out my iPhone yet. How, how do you think about this conflict? I, again, I always say balance in all things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... Nature, if you look at nature, and again, I love all of everything that comes with biomimicry. I love everything that we can learn from nature in the way it behaves and in the way it does things because it's very clever. Um, And there's this thing in nature called the um, optimum window of viability Mm. where it's in between diversity and efficiency. Mm -hmm. And it's always in the middle point. Mm -hmm. What we tend to do is always go way too efficient. Uh Anything happens, restrictions, sanctions, all of, like, every, austerity, you always go way too efficient and you disturb the balance. Mm -hmm. Too much diversity is also bad because then that doesn't work because there's too much. Right, there's no coordination. But in the middle, that's where the sweet spot is. Uh Now, in terms of the pace of change, I think if we again look at evolution, Uh if a fish swam up on the shore and suddenly grew a leg out of its gills, mm-hmm. that would not be very good because mm-hmm. it, it would die. Right. It wouldn't evolve. But right. slow evolution, little by little, ensures that it can become a successful new species, a successful new thriving organism. Mm-hmm. But it takes time. Mm-hmm. Because it needs to take into account all of the elements that it needs to build and build right. well. Right. You rush one, you're like, I don't know, one side is lopsided and mm-hmm. again, right. It's, it, right. it's not conducive to thriving. Mm-hmm. So I think if we can get to that point where we balance out the speed, because we do need to move, right? right. We can't just be like, ah, it'll be fine. and right. Because again, things aren't rosy in right. the real world, Right. right? So I think if we can reach that balance of doing things mindfully and doing things properly, that we don't cut corners, Mm -hmm. very important, but we move. Mm -hmm. Because stagnation is also not good. Right. Do you think we have time? Like, global warming is not being solved by nation states. No, it's not. I think that's generally a a thing that most people across outside of the crypto industry would agree with. Like, no one's really taking nation states seriously. Granted, it's not like the crypto industry is doing anything for that, but we kind of think that we can. So, but also, do we have the time to actually be methodical about this and not rush this? I think, 
I think it's almost a, a conversation around having that urgency, but not making mistakes because you're un, under pressure. Sure. Which again is is not easy. Right. Like we're not it's in an easy situation. It's a big ass, yeah. right? Go like, okay, so the Let's world is gonna it. end. <laughs> so, but you need to be like, you know, yeah. make sure you focus. So look, it's not easy, but I think it's one of the main reasons why we're sort of mm -hmm. more and more people are coming into the space because like, okay, okay, but this is how we can, mm -hmm. right? And this is what, at the end of the day, this is what the Web3 piece is about. It's that choice. It is that alternative because for so long, we had none right. and we were just stuck with that track right. and that was it. You can do, uh, you know, turn things up and down over here and up and down over here, but really it's the same Sure. Road. Right. Now we have a chance to a new one, mm -hmm. and all obviously with a new path, you have to, you know, remove some thorns, pave it, do all of these things, and we're doing it whilst mm -hmm. we're carving, carving it. So mm -hmm. hard, mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of people because right. you need everybody involved to be right. able to get to where you want to go. Right. Hence Dev Connect. Right. <laughs> um, why can't we cut corners? Why, why, why can't we cut corners to get there? Because look at what cutting corners has got us into. Everybody has been cutting corners for like decades, for yeah. generations. The, the point that I'm making there is, I think the technology that we're building is so, so powerful mm -hmm. that if we enable back doors, cut corners to, you know, deliver for VCs a little bit faster, don't quite focus, ah, privacy. All of that, right? We need to ship. Mm -hmm. Again, the balance, it's important. Yes, move. Yes, ship. But don't sacrifice the principles mm -hmm. to go get your VC some returns. Because that's what everybody has been doing. Is, okay, my next question was going to be, what's the corner that you see being cut the most? But would that be your answer? Like optimizing for VC? I think privacy and security. Privacy and security? Yeah. What's security mean? Just think about the amount of projects that have like one, the first version of their contract audited and then mm. they say they're audited, but they have had like five cents. Right. Okay. So we're talking about bug exploits. Just a plethora yeah. of risks mm -hmm. that is just not exposed, not addressed, not even thought about. Mm -hmm. And it's important, right? You're building these new things and we've seen so many recently. Oh, this, oh, here's another one. Oh, here's another exploit. Oh, this broke and It's cool, everyone fell. gets exploited, right? It doesn't matter. Oh, is that the trend? Yeah, oh, yeah, right. yeah, cool, cool, cool. Damn, get I didn't get exploited. Yeah. Oh, shit. Uh -huh. Right. right. Yeah. Is it a rite of passage? Yeah. I, I don't think it should be. <laughs> um, okay, the other one was privacy. Yeah. Um, how are we cutting corners on privacy? I mean, just, I think the concept of privacy has been so diluted and so, I don't even know what the word is, but almost we've just become so detached from what privacy actually means that for a lot of people, as we know, you know, why do you need privacy if you have nothing to hide? That type of thing. It's like, well, no. <laughs> that is not mm -hmm. what privacy should be about. Privacy is a human right, and you should not be tracked for things that you spend on, and you shouldn't be tracked for everywhere you go, and you shouldn't, your face shouldn't be scanned by every, a supermarket checkout. Are you mm -hmm. joking? Mm -hmm. What? 
But again, it's that erosion of, and people are so comfortable giving away so much of their stuff at all times, that actually now there's this process of having to claw it back. And for a lot of people, it's like, yeah, but why bother? There's like so much out there already. Right. It'll be fine. But again, Mm -hmm. getting back into a place where our identity isn't correlated with our money and everything else, so that a simple switch through a backdoor of an application can just cut your access to everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's bad. I'm uh, I'm reminded of, uh, I'm I'm a Clear member, because there was one time I was not going to make my flight, and so I had to sign up for Clear to skip the security (laughs) line. And all you have to do is go and get your irises scanned, and boom, your name comes up with your birthday and everything. And every time I do that, I'm like, "Mm, that's going to come back to bite me in the butt one day. It really will. And I love that you spend those seconds to think about that and yeah. then like and, and carry then, on and then get on my flight right yeah. oh well <laughs> well at least i'm not gonna miss my flight <laughs> silver lining right. everywhere right no but it's that right mm-hmm. and we've been so pushed to think or like of course you realize that's like probably not okay but like right. wh- what can you do but it's we've so been pushed to being comfortable with all of this stuff mm-hmm. that the moment like status perfect example the moment you kind of go, actually, let's build the whole thing as a pseudo-anonymous thing right. that doesn't require a password, a phone number, a who you are, people go, oh, this is hard. Right. Oh, right. This makes sense. Right. Oh, and I can't pull all of my contacts from my address book on my right. phone. Right. Oh, right. Well, this is a bit shit. Right. Can you, let's go into the full status shill mode. Can you, get, can you give the listeners and me the, the pitch for status? What, so, is, what is it and what does it do and why is it good? Status was obviously one of the first um, players in uh-huh. the mobile wallet uh-huh. um, space back in 2017. Right. And then they also started building a chat and the idea with it and a Web3 browser. The idea for me is that now it is perfectly poised, that stack is perfectly poised to create spaces for the Web3 community to Mm -hmm. actually switch from the centralized tooling that they use Mm -hmm. to a Web3 native Mm -hmm. stack, space, app, whatever it is that it's going to become. So one of the things that I came in back in 2020, again, and we say it's important to have that balance between speed of shipping Mm -hmm. and doing it properly. I propose this feature of the communities feature that is now being worked on, but there's obviously so many implications in that Mm -hmm. where if you are going to have, let's say, hundreds of thousands of people on it, you want that messaging reliability to be on point, which right now it is not. You want the design to flow. Right Right now, it does not. It needs a refresh. It Uh needs like updating. It needs a lot of things. But even something as simple as pulling from the OpenSea API to show your NFTs in your wallet. Mm. That's technically, let's say, an infringement on your privacy, right? Because you're like, I'm finding things out about you. But the point is, the user should make that decision. Give the option. And then for those who don't care that much, just pull. For those who do, go and via the browser to access your OpenSea. Mm -hmm. And it's those little things that actually make a big difference. Mm -hmm. And it's important to make sure that when you do build it like that, you do take your sweet time. But again, urgency is needed there. Sure. So that's that. And uh, again, connecting us back to like real world uh, stuff, 
back in the uh, the uh, revolution. Uh, what, what's the, what was the revolution called? Jog my memory. The of the. So the whole kind of sequence of events in the uh, in the Eastern Bloc was the Prague. It started with the Prague Spring, right, right, and right, then right. all of them kind of. Right, and so the fact that it went off like fireworks, right? Yeah. Like it was like a it domino. Was like, it was like ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And it just needed this one thing to light the match. Yep. Uh, what it was missing probably was like a messaging network of people who were, who were like, to hey, disseminate. Are, are, you t- are you tired of Ordinate. this bullshit? Because yeah. I'm tired of this yes. bullshit. Yes. And if we had a, a messaging network that was private, people would have been more... Uh, comfortable communicating their dissent. Communicating right. and congregating and being able to coordinate. Right. Yes, because coordination the, technology. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's important, and this is the thing, and, and again, we're drawing parallels here between, you know, uh, late 80s, early 90s, right. and where we are now, but if you think back then, you had landlines, and right. the phone was probably bugged. 100%. Couldn't trust it. Right? Couldn't trust You it. couldn't say, oh, meet me there. We're going to, like, We're gonna throw blow, some blow shit. We're going to blow up the right. Russians. Yeah, yeah, right. No way. Yeah. Uh-huh. And now, you're in the situation where right. you have all of these, right. like, privacy uh-huh. messaging applications, mm-hmm. privacy used in the loosest of right. terms. Right. That, again, if you think of most of them, it has your phone number. Right. You know what your phone number sure. tells about you? Your address, everything. who you yeah. are, right. everything. Uh-huh. So unless everybody has burner phones, right. which I doubt that they do, right. we're not that far off. Okay, it's not as nefarious or as uh, entrenched as it used to be, but maybe it is. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Sure. And then if you start... and. Again, this isn't necessarily about, and I think that's the other perception that you will always use these things to do bad things. Right. right. No, just you can have conversation for, for the drugs. Right. Yeah. Like uh, all of the things that can be bought with U.S. dollars <laughs> and have been for generations. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. All all of the good stuff. But uh-huh. it's that thing, that perception, and maybe that again has been the narrative that has been. Uh, Woven, yeah. publicized yeah. of oh these guys that's right. what they're using it for right. like bad things right. it's like come on mm-hmm. I just want to have a conversation about things that I maybe not don't agree with or mm-hmm. I want to have a conversation to be able to coordinate some sort of protest movement whatever something that does not agree with my values right. and my human rights there's so many countries in the world where you need people to also be protected journalists because mm-hmm. we brought up Russia because mm-hmm. we bring up all of these different countries where right. journalists are genuinely at risk right. all the time right. you want to be able to offer a space a safe space for them to be able to speak to their sources speak amongst each other be able to share information, be able to share situations that would put them in a safer place than they are right now. I mean, all of these things, it, it that perception of it's always bad is simplistic and a lot of it is, um, dare I say, just it potentially can be dangerous for all of those people who need that protection. Certainly, certainly. Victims of abuse. Again, there's endless. Uh-huh. Um, Simona, what about the current state of the crypto industry makes you optimistic? I think everything that we and and this is this is a great segue because obviously um, one of the main reasons why um, I'm at DevConnect not only to um, support and speak at the different events but also I'm curating Shelling Point again. Yes. So Shelling Point Amsterdam um, is happening on Thursday and 
for me, and this is the way I've kind of designed the experience, is for it to genuinely be that antidote to a lot of the events that we're seeing popping up now and that usually tend to happen in a bull market mm. that are all flash, yes. no yes. substance, right. and kind of gross. From what I've, I've heard it described as a pile of money searching for a soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. With a hint of dumpster fire. Right. Right. <laughs> so I think a really, really important thing to keep in mind is that we must protect and um, elevate the conversations around what we are genuinely changing and where we're going. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want Shelling Point to be. That's kind of what we did in Denver a little bit. But this time around, I'm doing, we have almost three hours of workshops just on climate and what Web3 is doing on climate and bringing all of the projects working in that space to have these hands-on workshops, chat about things, have conversations, involve the uh, participants into whatever the solution may be, right? We also focus a lot, a lot on, again, discussing this governance situation, discussing public goods, how are we moving the needle, how are we progressing things, discussing decentralized science, discussing all of these things that we need to be focusing on because that's the stuff that actually matters. That's the stuff that's going to evolve us from here to there, not a sprinkle of cash and like a party. Mm-hmm. Parties are great, don't get me wrong, and the Shelling Point one is going to be amazing. But. Um, It's important to have those conversations and delve deep into those conversations. And I'm playing a little bit with the format as well because after so many conferences, I am bored to tears of the traditional format. And so what I've asked all of the speakers to do is to do 50-50 in terms of their content. 50% can be you talk about whatever you want to talk about. The other half, you involve the audience. I don't care if you do yoga with them. I don't care if it's plain Q&A do something where it is a collaborative effort everything that we're doing it isn't the work of one person it's not the work of ten everybody has a contribution to make and everybody can and should feel comfortable making that contribution and figuring out what is on that uh, what's it amusement park Mm -hmm. map Mm -hmm. everybody should see the whole map and decide where they want to go and how they want to get there. Mm-hmm. What are you looking, in addition to all of your work at Shelling Point, which may be taking up a majority of your time here, but what else are you looking to get done here here at uh, DevConnect? So I think it's, it's a lot um, of, again, catching up with a lot of the stewards. So mm-hmm. because of the work that I do with, with Gitcoin around um, governance, there's a lot of the stewards, uh, particularly uh, in Gitcoin and in the new steward council um, that we created, a lot of them are here in person. And I think it's important, again, to have that connection because we do have a lot, a lot of, um, let's say, flows that we're putting together, mm-hmm. together, right? And we're figuring out, hey, does this work? Is this better? Did we achieve something here that is moving us closer to that flow of the river, to that more structured uh, pattern? And I think uh, in addition to that, of course, there's also, so that's important to have those governance conversations also IRL, right? And then be able to take them to the online realm and be, okay, here's where we've decided we're gonna observe this for a while and then improve it. But of course also ETH Amsterdam, I'm a perpetual judge of the IF Global circuit, and I absolutely love seeing 
all the new projects. I'm excited every single time, especially after a week like this, how inspired will those people be? Mm -hmm. What will they take from everything that they've listened to, that they've participated in? What will they take to genuinely create something that is better, that is getting us, that is a stage of evolution? A new Lego. A new Lego. A new Lego. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So at Bankless, we often say like, hey, go, go work for a DAO. And it sounds like you, you work for at least two DAOs, if not more. Yeah. Uh, for, the, for the people that uh, that hear Ryan and I say, go work for a DAO, from our privileged position of having the centralized company, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is it like to work for a DAO? Like, and do you get compensation for the DAOs that you work for? Like, is this this is how you how you you buy groceries? So right now, actually, this is a, a fortuitous mm-hmm. uh, event because I am actually now transitioning into. Uh, the Gitcoin DAO, mm-hmm. where I'm gonna get paid by the different work streams mm-hmm. within the DAO. So, okay. for instance, I because I do the content curation, I did the content curation for Shelling Point. Mm-hmm. There is a certain amount that will be allocated to me for that work. Okay. Then the stuff that I do with governance engagement will come from another work stream. Mm-hmm. Then I also help out with funding public goods. There's a lot of relationships that I have, and we pull funds for the grants rounds that's going to come from another stream so it really is this very interesting and multifaceted again taking that whole thing of streams into a river type uh, dynamic of what is it that you contribute to and what is the level of that contribution Mm -hmm. and that's how it flows and do you feel that the DAOs that you are, are part of, how, how would you rate their adeptness as to properly balancing contributions to... Re- We're to just getting started. Okay. Nah. Okay. A lot of that needs to be improved. And, and a lot of that, it, it's fine that we don't know and we haven't right. figured it out yet. And, and again, coming back to that thing of like being comfortable in ambiguity mm-hmm. and not feeling like we have to get it right from the beginning because every single time we kind of miss something or we don't do it right and so on, it just enables us to improve on it, to do it better, to make it a little bit more transparent, to make it a little bit more accessible, to make it a little bit less taxing. Nice. But like, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, that contributions over taxes. <laughs> They're the same thing, but one people like word that one word much better than the other. Um, uh, what was going to be my last one? Oh yeah, so for the newer newer comers to the crypto space, yes. people that came in 2020 or, or beyond or more oh, recently. Oh, welcome. Well, yeah, welcome. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank we're you so for glad, being We're here. so glad you're here. What <laughs> advice do you have to help these people actually stay in the crypto space? And why should they stay in the crypto space? I think definitely make sure that, um, and again, Man, this is gonna be your most analogy-laden episode. Of oh, I'm not all so time. sure about that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. We're, we're pretty Whoa. hot on the analogy. Okay, okay, at okay. So I'll I'll keep going. Uh-huh. Um, so I think again with that whole idea of the path, right? Mm-hmm. We, there is this one that just is established and everything. And when you start off a different path, mm-hmm. it's gonna be a little bit trickier. You're gonna have some obstacles in the way. You're gonna have to be like a little bit more uncomfortable. And like I say, there's like some stinging nettles mm-hmm. here and there and whatever. <laughs> a rug here and there. But uh, <laughs> just casually laying out right. in the grass. But no. Um, for me, it's don't feel or don't give in to feeling overwhelmed or being scared mm-hmm. if 
you read some article about something or if you go into a discord and you feel oh this isn't really my vibe mm -hmm. i would say look for those communities that are value aligned with you and what you want this is one of the reasons why particularly with gitcoin right there's so many people coming in because they are genuinely interested in regenerative stuff public goods solar punk stuff like all of this impact and it's, it's that value alignment that really makes that ability to start contributing so much easier than if you go in, into, a, let's say, a Discord that you found somewhere that's full of price talk and all of this, that you just don't feel like, where do I even start? What do I, do I even want to be here? And so I think there's that kind of shock sometimes of, oh, I didn't think this was, or you go to one of these events that I mentioned earlier, not the good ones, but the other ones, right. and you go, oh, is this right. what crypto is all about? It's not. It's not. Um, and so that exploration, I think, almost have that explorer mindset. Mm -hmm. Go mm -hmm. and look behind mindset. this. Mm -hmm. Go and talk to some other people who are also on this path with you. Maybe share some maps. Okay, I've got this bit, you have that bit. Maybe let's do things together. Kernel also is a very, very good example of where this can be done, right? Uh, Kernel was started by one of the, the Gitcoin uh, co-founders, Vivek, and it's a great, great journey to take people from that very edge of the path a little bit further. It won't take you all the way, but it will right. take you and enable you to meet some people mm -hmm. to have that journey, to take that journey together. So explorer mindset, absolutely. But like, again, the curious, nice kind, not the yes. invader right. kind. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah. Simona, thank you for coming on Layer Zero. Thank you so much. This has been fun. Cheers, and I will see you all around Amsterdam. See you in the dam. In the dam, of course. <laughs> Oh, beautiful.